Hello, my name is Gillian Bowen. I'm the Australian Manager of Public Affairs at Chartered Accountants ANZ, or CAANZ, and this is Small Firm Big Impact. For smaller firms, it's a question of, of what resources can they access and leverage because, you know, cybersecurity is a very expensive proposition, you know, to really get it right. One of the things we're underestimating is the supply chain attacks mm. that are going to impact the SMPs because they are not operating in silos. It's a podcast giving you and your clients up-to-date information to help you do your jobs. And there are plenty of resources, tools and expert advice provided by CAANZ that I'm looking to sharing with you each fortnight. So make sure you've followed the pod in your favourite pod app. You don't want to miss me picking apart the brains of a range of people across our profession, including our own CAANZ experts, as well as people who know a thing or two about public practice. And thanks to those who've already given feedback so far. Keep it coming. Today we have Anu Kakar in the studio, a cybersecurity guru known as the Cyber Untangler, and she's even a CA, even better, and her boss, Jackie Curnow, the Security Director for Australia and New Zealand at IT firm Accenture, and she's a CA ANZ member. The topic cybersecurity for SMPs. Between them, Anu and Jackie have decades of experience in this space. And I'm looking forward to bringing Jackie's expertise in defence space and intelligence straight into the ears of those at the coalface. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. Thanks, Gil. We're really excited. And let's get an overview of what it's like out there at the moment in regards to cyber attacks. And we know there have been some pretty high profile incidents involving companies such as Medibank and Optus, but the scale of these attacks, it, it, it feels enormous. Oh, and they are enormous. And I think the the things that we're hearing from clients and uh, people that I'm talking to in industry, it's becoming a board level conversation. Mm. Like whatever organisation, small, large or big, um, we're absolutely talking about cybersecurity. And it's around the fact that this could happen to us and are we prepared? But also around, well, hang on. We have got valuable data, but not be the same as what Medibank or Optus or any of the others have had, mm. but we have got valuable data and how do we protect it? Mm. And look, we, we're not talking today to the Medibanks of the world. We're talking to small and medium-sized practices and businesses. Jackie, and who makes a good point, what is it like for them at the moment? Well, I can imagine it's pretty terrifying because they have less capability than some of the bigger organisations and the bigger organisations, as Anu mentioned, are also terrified. So certainly I've had conversations with with plenty of board members who are like, we just don't know how to govern this. We don't know what questions to ask. Obviously, board members are personally liable, which uh, which also brings their interest to a real sharp edge. Mm. Uh, and certainly for smaller firms, it's a question of, of what resources can they access and leverage because, you know, cybersecurity is a very expensive proposition, you know, to really get it right. And certainly I think it needs to be a combination of the two. It needs to be a combination of thinking about what data they collect and how they store it mm. um, and then you know, obviously what they do to protect it. But this this idea we used to have of collect all the data, collect all the things, and uh, and it might be useful later, I think uh, it's like oil. It is uh, it is useful, but if it spills, it's not so good. Mm. Okay, so let's try and drill down into some of that. Anu, an SMP, for example, let's imagine they've been attacked. How long does it usually take for them to respond? I'm thinking along the lines of finding the issue and then fixing it. Look, the... 
average data um, that sort of we look at globally for all types of organizations, not just small organizations, the data is close to, um, can get up to a year, just under a year. It could take that long for that process. Wow. Now, if you're a small organization, like Jackie said, have you got the resources? Have you got the right systems in place? Are you able to monitor if there is someone who's entered your systems? Is there an attacker inside your organization um, from the time you're actually monitoring and identifying that to actually then getting them out and dealing with the problem? I think it would take small organizations a lot longer. Mm. What do you think, Jackie? Mm. I agree. I think most small organisations and actually some large ones find out that they've uh, been hacked and that they've got attackers in their network because their data is available on the dark web for sale. And they're like, how did that get there? And then they go looking to see how those uh, databases have been accessed and find out that, oops, there's someone in here. Mm, mm. Okay, so we've got that idea then of it takes a really long time for small and medium-sized practices to find the issue and then fix it. My first question before we drill into what it is that happens, why are they a target, Jackie? Why are they being seen, and, and accountants in particular, being seen as someone for cyber threats to get in there? Anyone really who collects PII data, so personal information, as well as information about things like, you know, tax information, for example, personal data is just valuable online. So personally, I wouldn't want my, you know, tax or or accounting information to be available online. So I will therefore be concerned about protecting it. And therefore, anybody who collects it and stores it on my behalf is, becomes a, a target and a risk. Mm. Yeah, And I'll add, like, I started my career as a CA in a small tax agent. We had 12 people. And I think about we had tax file numbers, we had date of birth, we had um, addresses, and we were submitting total income, deductions. We knew profit and loss of businesses. Some of this information you wouldn't want out there and we're lodging that and sending that in BAS and GST returns, that is sensitive data that um, these um, SMPs have. Mm, it's a bit of a gold mine, really, isn't it? It absolutely is. Especially information about financial you know, uh, data, etc. Like if you collect that information, you can work out who high net worth individuals are and then you can attack them separately. So it's part of a process to get to, to individuals. And really what what needs to be brought out and maybe hasn't been in the press so much is that, you know, ransomware and cyber criminals, they're, they're running businesses these days. Ransomware mm. businesses have, you know, I'll say it out loud, they're not good businesses. They're not, uh, um, you know, obviously for-profit businesses that aren't doing the right thing. But, you know, they're much more business-like. I remember doing a survey nearly 10 years ago and, and finding that, you know, only about uh, 30% of people actually got their data unlocked, you know, which was reasonably unprofessional in terms of if they paid the ransom. And now it's pretty much 100% because they're treating it like a business. You know, mm. they lock your data up and then you pay the ransom and you give it back and, and nothing's further said and they move on to the next target. So mm. it's just a business. You make a good point there, Jackie, on ransomware. And I know I think it's time that we go through a bit of a step-by-step and break down the types of threats that small and medium-sized practices face. Ransomware's one of them. Maybe start there and then take me on to some of the others that businesses would see as as the threats that are coming their way. Yeah, absolutely. And look, and I think about uh, real client scenarios that I've seen and also when I was in a small, medium practice myself as a chartered accountant. And I'd say the biggest thing we used to face was, and is still the case, is the denial of service. So, can we actually do our business? What if we can't actually 
submit our tax returns. It's all online now, right? So there's a denial of service is a real threat to these SMPs not being able to do business, not being able to do the core service, which is submit tax returns or financial statements. The other one, which is what we're seeing play out now, which is for larger organisation, it impacts the smaller ones just as much. And I actually see it and call it as data loss and manipulation. Mm -hmm. Yes, it might lead to ransomware, but it's the fact that someone's coming in to your house or organisation and they're either stealing the data. What if they manipulate the data? What if they're manipulating personal financial and tax information for an SMP before it gets submitted? So that's another threat in terms of that. Um, Phishing attempts, the way Jackie was talking about, you can then start going after some of these high net individuals. Again, you're getting access to their bank account details. You are trying to get those sensitive data. And then I think, um, when I think back, I spoke at a chartered accountants webinar last year, which is around for SMPs. And what really was uh, top of mind for our SMPs was, We've got a lot of suppliers. They've got a lot of people that they're working together with. And I think one of the things we're underestimating is the supply chain attacks Mm. that are going to impact the SMPs because they are not operating in siloed. They are dependent on an ecosystem. And one attack somewhere is going to have a ripple effect. And that, in my mind, is the top four threats. Mm. Okay, so we've got the idea of what the threats are. My next question is, how do they get in, Jackie? How do we fall for these attacks so easily? What do they look like? Look, overwhelmingly, phishing attacks are the easiest way to do it or or somehow intercepting or stealing a credential from someone who works at the organisation. And unfortunately, you know... If I had a dollar for every time, you know, I speak to a, a kind of a, a reasonably senior or middle manager in a business and I sort of say, look, I'm just going to ask the hard question. Do you use the same password for your Gmail as you do for your... And they're like, their faces fall. Ah, oh, yeah, I do. That's like, okay, well, that's how they got in. So because it's pretty easy once you know one of those passwords that's that's been compromised. And actually, there's a great site that uh, Troy Hunt, uh, runs called Have I Been Owned and uh, owned is spelt P-W-N-E-D because of course in cyber we have to have cool terms that don't sound like <laughs> English. <laughs> Makes us sound cooler. Um, but you, you can actually put your data into there and see if it's been compromised or your email address has been compromised. And look, you know, a lot of people's have, yes. frankly. So, yes. um, you know, there's huge data breaches of just email and emails and passwords that you know, are millions and millions of entries, right? So you do need to ideally use multi-factor authentication wherever you can. Uh, And, you know, maybe we can talk about that and and what that means. But just those simple measures really help. But fundamentally and overwhelmingly, it's, um, you know, they steal the credentials because people use the same password Mm. uh, replicated in their corporate accounts and people can guess the nomenclature of the corporate account because it's, you know, first name dot last name at company name. Yes, something rather. Something easy. Yes. And then their password's the same as their Gmail, which they can look up on Have I Been Owned? And it's pretty straightforward. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if you're listening along, that is step one, is it not? Go and change your passwords. Do it. In fact, pause the pod and then do that and then come back. Let's do some workshopping on that idea then that you've been attacked. Let's imagine that one of the things that you've just explained anew has happened to my business. And I can imagine it's a stressful moment in the time that requires some fast thinking. Is there a checklist that I should follow in the heat of the moment? Absolutely. And for me, I kind of think back to um, in like organisations that we work in, we have this fire evacuation method. Like we 
go through rehearsals, not because we expect a fire every year or every month, but we go through multiple rehearsals because we need all the workers to be prepared and know if a fire breaks out, where's my exits? How do I get out? Mm. And I'm a massive soccer and tennis fan. And with the World Cup on right now, these players don't go out and play football for the first time in the World Cup. They have been practicing and rehearsing and getting ready. And for me, it's the same thing with S&Ps. We need to practice and prepare. And for me, it's kind of like having that checklist. Um, Your playbook is what I call it, a cyber playbook. Yes. That you and your entire business, you know the five or six things that you need to do so that when that stressful moment comes, you don't have to start thinking. You just have to follow that plan that you have rehearsed and practiced and all know. It should almost become muscle memory. Mm. It's mm. funny, actually, when you think about it, isn't it, that we've all done, I don't know how many fire drills. I've never had a fire at work where I've actually had to do That's one. That's it, yeah. But, you know, people get <laughs> compromised every second week and yet we don't do cyber safety drills. Really silly. Yeah, but maybe we should start that. Let's yeah, start doing those. That's right. And we'll get our own special alarm. See, there's a there's a business opportunity there for someone, you two in particular. So then, Jackie, the idea of... Um, having that sort of plan, is there an idea that you should have someone in your business to champion that? Definitely. Look, having someone in your business that's just reminding you of, you know, basic cyber safety principles and they're all really easily accessible. There's some great resources in the market. So the Australian Cyber Security Centre um, works with businesses. It's a government outreach organisation of the Signals Directorate that works with businesses to help them secure that so you can reach out to them for information. Uh, there's, you know, plenty of great resources around safety that, you know, I'd, I'd reach out and you could, you know, even in terms of a basic cyber playbook, you know, I'd just Google it and I'm sure it's available on the internet. Well, you bring it up and um, CAANZ has one. Oh, uh, we have a cybersecurity playbook for SMPs and I will include a link to that in the show notes so that, because uh, I know there's a lot of stuff that we're talking about here and it is a good idea to have a resource that you can then read to go, okay, that's what I heard about. Now I'm going to implement this and there will be a link to that in the show notes. But I know that makes me then think of the idea as well of a topic that you like, which is cyber resilience rather than just cyber security. What does that look like for an SMP? And I think that's where, so there's one part of being prepared and then you've also got to go, well, okay, to be resilient, how do I actually protect and look after my business? And Jackie and I often talk about this is like, think about our homes. We've got valuables at homes. What do we actually protect and safeguard? We all know in our homes, what's valuable? What Mm. do I want to protect? Is it my old CD collection? Is it some jewellery? Whatever it is. And I think that's where we need to kind of use that approach in our S&P business and go ask yourself, what is it that's valuable to you? Where is that stored and how am I protecting it? And actually making sure that you are constantly reviewing and looking at those. What are some of those things that you can do, Jackie, to protect those items within your business that you really want to keep safe? So, look, there's a bazillion things you can do, but um, one of the huge ones and probably the most effective single tool is to use what we call multi-factor authentication. So, uh, you know, email, uh, username and password is a single factor of authentication. Um, The factors, if you like, are something I have, something I know, something I am. So something I am is biometrics. Something I have might be a token of some kind, you know, some of those things where you might get sent a, you know, sometimes when you're shopping, you get sent a text message to your phone or a message in your net bank, for example, to Mm. to tell you that... um, 
that there's a special code you need to log into or sometimes if you do a large transaction, it'll send you a separate net code and it'll go as a text to your phone. So it's it's just a different way of sending you something so they can confirm that you're the person holding the phone, not just someone who's intercepted the card details, for yes, example. Yes, yes. Um, and then something I know, obviously, is a, is a username or password. So, look, if there is a single thing for small businesses that is most effective at preventing problems, it is having another factor of authentication, whether that's leveraging biometrics in your phone or another device uh, or something I have, like a token of some kind. And, and most, you know, there's soft tokens available, so you used to have to... And you would remember the good old days when you'd have to carry your token around to log in. Oh, dear. And, uh, but we're past that now. So <laughs> I might even have a few just for memorabilia, just to sort of remember those days. Yeah, to, to think back. Yes, I have aged. There's always uh, plenty of reminders of those. And and was that hard to set up a two-factor, a multi-factor authentication? No, absolutely not. And I think um, I absolutely agree with Jackie. It is something that everyone can do. And I think one of the things I say to SMPs when I talk to them is, have someone be your cyber champion. Like mm. have a nominated cyber champion. It's going to help develop their career by upskilling them. And they are the ones that are going to help make sure that in the SMP organization, cyber can seem a bit daunting, like learning a new language. Um, so having someone who's really keen, you're investing in them. And if we think about the uh, multi-factor protection, we do that on our, say our Gmails, LinkedIn, bank accounts. Mm, you like should actually, do it anyway. You should do it. I if think some of the banks do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This and is the cyber alarm going off That's you, it. Right? That's it's ringing in your head. I actually think some of the banks, you have no choice. It is yeah. by default now. So mm. um, you should be practiced at, you should at be, it in some aspect of your life. Exactly. And mm. so having that cyber champion, making it happen, I think is a good way. Look, I've got two questions before we wrap up. Jackie, first one to you, to pay or not to pay? We did talk about this at the start with, um, you know, people holding you to ransom for your data. You're a small business. You can't operate if it's all locked up. It, that's a that's the million dollar question that people will be thinking about. Or maybe the 1.2 million or depends on the price of crypto on the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, it's it's actually become a really interesting strategic policy question. And so I, I really like what the Australian government are doing uh, in terms of sort of saying, look, Australia, you know, back off ransomware because we'll make it illegal to pay. Um, and so no one's going to pay here. So, you know, reduce Australia as a target. And certainly Medibank is the first um, kind of big mm. instance of that. Um Obviously, it's it's had an interesting uh, impact on the market and individual clients. However, I think in terms of working with the government to make Australia more resilient overall, understand the strategy, and you know, I think it could pay dividends that we maybe haven't seen just yet. It's a very interesting uh, question, though, because obviously for those individual businesses who are trying to suffer through the recovery, mm. it's very difficult. However, what's what's been a really great dynamic in the large breaches of recent times is the federal government and uh, business cooperation where, you know, the federal government has really brought all the resources to the party, including uh, leveraging resources from the FBI and overseas mm. uh, to really start to unpack this. And I think that's probably what we need is to, as, as we'd say in defence uh, or in cyber, you know, to harden our attack surface and reduce it, is to really have that intergovernment um, business cooperation. And certainly even small businesses can reach out to that and get assistance. Mm. So I'd, I'd really encourage that. But certainly as a strategic policy we're, we're kind of venturing into unknown 
waters. Like, if we do, we make ransomware payments illegal. You know, what impact will that have? Should you just take out cyber insurance and pay the ransom? There's some really interesting questions for individual mm. businesses, but I think the way that we're going is to try and manage it at a at a kind of government level to say Australia's not paying ransoms anymore. Go mm. away. Mm. Mm. That's really interesting. That is a big topic, one that we don't have time to explore any further. And I knew my final question for you, because I was thinking about this, that you've had a ransom attack at, at your small business. You've got all these things that you're worried about, but I'm thinking about liability. Is is What's your what's your advice to SMPs who might be worried about that in that space, about who is it that's liable when something actually happens? Oh, look, absolutely. End of the day, any organisation and SMPs, it's you it's your business mm. you're owning it and it's smps they generally some of them are sole owners like mm. or it's partners two people that have gone into business personal investment are coming in end of the day it is the owners that are liable mm. and i think that's why that national approach for how do we deal with it yes is so important but i would say again having someone at the table in these smps we've, i remember this and this is one of my favorites we used to have in the smp i worked in a dedicated person who was looking at the ATO. What's going on? What are the resources? Have someone in your organisation, in the SMP, look at what's happening at the Australian Cyber Security Centre and the Cairns um, Cyber Hub so that you get those templates and the resources. They're free. And, and let's use them. Wow. That is a very good point to end on. A jam-packed episode two of the revamped small firm, Big Impact. A great place to go for more information is the cybersecurity hub that Anu mentioned on the Chartered Accountants website. I will put that in the show notes. It includes that cybersecurity playbook, which we talked about, and it has a lot of this information if you want to read it. And then it explains the actions you can take to help protect your business if you want to see it in writing. Plus, there's a sharing knowledge session on this very topic. And if you want to read more about what Anu does and her expertise, in this area. There's a great write-up about her and her brother in our Acuity magazine. There's a link to that in the show notes too. Next episode, we'll be talking about the remuneration survey and the fight for talent. And please rate and review the pod and share with your fellow CAs and your clients too. The podcast has an email if you haven't heard, so feel free to get in touch. Podcast at charteredaccountantsanz.com. Let's start a conversation. Thank you, Anu Kukar and Jackie Kerno for joining us on Small Firm Big Impact. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Gil. That was fantastic. Bye-bye.